Johnson, Davison, another one, that's five! He's drawn five charges in one game! Way back, get up, get out of here, go! Rainbows high and deep, touchdown Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Badgers are back, baby. You heard it here, Brad Davidson. Taking five charges en route to a win over NC State last night. Previously undefeated Wolfpack. The Badgers take them down at the Kohl's Center last night. Just one of uh, many exciting topics we're covering here tonight on the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for hopping on board. Impressive home win as these Badgers continue to, I think, surprise just a couple of people. Now, there might be some out there that are like, hey, we saw this coming. Ethan Happ's a great player. We thought Demetri Trice was going to bounce back. Brad Davison no longer injured. And I think you'd be ahead of the curve on this one. The Badgers trail for just about the entire second half last night. And for those of you who've been listening to WKTY last night, you would have known that we were covering the Aquinas game. Drew Kelly and myself at Aquinas High School last night for the aquinas Mawson game. So I actually didn't get to watch the first half, which it doesn't sound like I've missed too much. You know, read the recaps, watched the highlights. I think the first half was a lot of the same as the second half, but except the Badgers pulled away at the end of the second half. How do you like that? 79-75, handing the Wolfpack of North Carolina State their first loss, sending them to 6-1. and one. Badgers now even up the record with the Wolfpack at 6-1. and one. They uh, 22 in the country last night. We'll see if that number moves at all. NC State's strength of schedule wasn't fantastic, but still, an undefeated team at home. And uh, I think the Badgers were were kind of figuring out who they are, right? They're a little bit more than Ethan Happ this year. I think last year they were a lot of Ethan Happ. And when Brad Davison was healthy enough to play well, I think he, he answered the call. But this Badgers game last night, I was only able to watch the second half because Drew Kelly from WIZM and myself were at Aquinas High School for that game. And, uh, and I was in for Scrady this morning on Mornings with Dave and Scrady with Dave Carney. And I knew that because Dave's a morning person, you guys. He's weird like that. He's up at 2.45. He's getting stuff done in the morning. And I knew that Dave wasn't staying up for the second half of this game. So I had to rush home, get to the second half, and it was exciting. The Badgers actually trailed until two, three minutes to go where they snagged the lead at the uh, in the last couple of minutes and didn't relinquish it, ended up winning by four. And what we talked about this morning on Dave and Scrady and what I'd like to continue the conversation here on the Wisco Sports Show it wasn't really a perfect scenario for the Badgers to win. Yes, they were at home. I know NC State wasn't ranked. Their strength of schedule wasn't great, but they were undefeated. They were a team that was feeling pretty good. And and when you think of this Badger team, and compare them to Badger's team, Badger teams in the past as well. Compare them to Badger teams in the past as well. Typically when the Badgers win, when things shake out for them to win, and obviously I'm not talking about against really, really poor teams, especially in non-conference play. I'm talking about competent, balanced somewhat equal teams or better teams. You you typically look for a couple of things when you're looking for a Badger win, right? Now, first of all, on this team, Ethan Happ has to be that main man. He has to score a ton of points. And we've seen his ability so far this year to score near 30 uh, if he needs to. And last night, I thought NC State did a pretty good job, but, but you look for Ethan Happ to be that scoring machine, to be that front runner scoring the basketball. Number two, the game's probably going to move pretty slow. There's going to be some ugly plays, a lot of turnovers. The Badgers are going to try to muck it up, right? Because the Badgers don't get the athletic recruits and and the blue chip recruits that some other teams do, maybe Michigan State's a good example, or teams they played in the tournament like Villanova or Xavier, 
or Kentucky, maybe not Xavier, but Kentucky, Duke, you know, other teams that the Badgers would love to be mentioned in with that company, right? They got to ugly the game up a little bit, make it dirty, make it slow, and force these high-flying offensive players who are so highly touted and highly recruited by other programs to play at the Badgers level and at the Badgers' place. In other words, you force other teams to play your way, and the Badgers play a specific brand of basketball. That leads to a, a low-scoring game, right? You typically don't see much more than 50 points scored in, uh, in Badger basketball games. Defense comes first, right? The Badgers rely on their defense to keep them in games, and if their offense gets hot at the right time or a player gets hot or you hit a big shot at the right time, there you go. That's your recipe for a win. And, of course, you got to hit your free throws. You have to hit your free throws, and that's what made players like Bronson Canings successful for such a long time. Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker was okay, right? Trayvon Jackson was excellent at free throws for the longest time. When you think about good Badgers players in the past and good Badger teams, that's what they did. They mucked games up. They got big scoring nights from their leaders, from their seniors, like Ethan Happ. They relied on their defense first, and they hit their free throws down the stretch to slowly ice away games. Watch the game last night. You barely saw any of that. Now, there were ugly moments. Don't get me wrong. They slowed the game down, and they played defense in moments, but for the most part last night, the Badgers didn't play great defense. The game moved pretty fast. A lot of shooting, a lot of scoring, especially in transition, about midway through the second half. Badgers felt like they were putting in a three every other possession, but they weren't gaining any ground because they were giving up threes in transition on the other side. Defense wasn't of the utmost priority in this one. I think that became pretty obvious. Not your typical Badger basketball game. And Ethan Happ, their number one scorer, and I, I, I think they're, they're, I don't want to call him the team leader because I think Brad Davison assumes some of that role as well, but fourth or fifth year senior, been on a couple trips to the NCAA tournament, which is more than you can say for Brad Davison and company, some of those younger players. He didn't really have a great night scoring the basketball. He had 19 points, which by most college players is pretty good, but by Ethan Happ and what I think he's going to be asked to do, especially in conference play this year, that's, that's not a whole lot. 19 isn't outrageous at all. I think that's on the lower end. We've seen him score 30. None of that happened for the Badgers yesterday, and they still pulled out the win. And that's a great sign. Anytime you're, you're looking for your team to make steps, and you can use this example for the Green Bay Packers, the Milwaukee Brewers, apply this to any team you want. When you start seeing sports teams winning games in ways that really aren't advantageous to them, that's when you know that you're dealing with a pretty good team because they can win multiple ways, right? Even if the scoring gets high, and the final score was 79-75, the Badgers scored 50 points in the second half. If NC State's going to score in bunches, all right, the Badgers, we'll answer that call. We'll score in bunches as well. You want to play at a fast pace? All right, we can do that as well. You're going to double Ethan Happ and force him to, to go elsewhere? All right. We don't need 30 points from Ethan Happ to win. We'll find scoring in other ways. And they did so from uh, Demetra Trice, who poured in 18. Brad Davison adding 12, but that was not the highlight of his game. Aleem Ford with 12, cashing in a couple three-pointers. And Kobe King with five points as well off the bench. Finding some scoring from other players. Even if it wasn't consistent, they could, for a couple minutes, go to Aleem Ford because he was hot. Or go to Kobe King because he seemed to have a good touch about midway through the second half as well. And because of that, the Badgers were able to get a win on a night against a team and in an environment, although they were at home, that really wasn't conducive for Badgers basketball getting a win. Really wasn't their brand. And they still got the win. You got to feel good about that. If you feel good and you want to chime in, share your thoughts, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Open for business the entire show long. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. You can also get in touch with me or with the program on Twitter. If you haven't already, you should follow the station on Twitter at WKTY. Stay up to date with news and, and what we may be doing. David Scrady might be out and about 
or we might have a poll question for you, something to think about as you're tuning into the program. So follow it at WK2I. You can also follow and tweet at me at Keystroker Grant to share your thoughts as well. Something that was tweeted last night, and I brought this up during Mornings with Dave and Scrady this morning as I was sitting in with Dave. Uh, Evan Flood, Badgers insider for 24-7 sports. This is what he tweeted, and I thought it was really applicable, and it's kind of the heart and soul of this first segment here tonight. Badgers need to be better, plain and simple, but they could not have won a game like this last season. They couldn't rely on their defense, off night from their star. Not a whole lot of things going the Badgers' way last night, right? If you made a checklist of what the Badgers need to have happen to win, you weren't checking many boxes last night, but they still found a way, still got it done against a good opponent who was undefeated at the time, regardless of their strength of schedule. Still an ACC opponent, a Power 5 opponent, and you got to like what you saw from the Badgers last night. I want to talk about a couple of things when we do take a quick break here, and we will be back in just moments. One of the big stories last night was the guard play. Because Ethan Happ had a pretty quiet night scoring the ball, I know he had 19 points, and, and he made his impact on the game in other ways as well. Don't get me wrong. But there were a couple of big stories, including what was going on in the Badgers' backcourt. Two players I want to talk about specifically. Number one is Demetric Trice. He's doing some, some, excuse me. He's doing some things right now that I bet would surprise you. Even if you've watched every game, even if you've, even if you've been keying in on Demetric Trice, these numbers still might surprise you. They surprised me when I saw him last night as well. Pretty impressive stuff happening after a really off year from Demetric Trice. That's number one. Number two, apparently the entire country now hates Brad Davison, including some people right here in the state that I was hearing on the radio and seeing on Twitter this morning. Apparently everybody hates Brad Davison. I'll tell you why coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. <laughs> You know, I just continue to play the defense that I usually play. Um, I know calls are one thing you can't control, uh, but effort and being in the right place is something you can't control. So I just try to do that every time that I get the opportunity. Uh, you know, watch a lot of film, try to understand what kind of moves the guys like to do and try to be in the right place at the right time. One of the Badgers stars from last night, that is one Brad Davison, took five charges in one game, ladies and gentlemen, as the Badgers uh, almost steal one away from the Wolf Pack. In the closing minutes at the Kohl Center last night, 79-75, to 75, the final score, handing the Wolfpack their first loss of the season and moving the Badgers to 6-1. and one. They currently are ranked 22 in the country. See if that number moves at all. Um, it, we'll see. I mean, rankings early on in the year, this early on in the year, not as important as they will be uh, in a couple of months. And we were talking about that on uh, Mornings with Dave and Scrady this morning. This is the Wisco Sports Show, however, here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for coming aboard. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. That's your way on if you want to share your opinion, and there's a lot to be said about last night's Badger loss. Or one, excuse me. I just called the Badgers a loss. Oh, force a habit from last year. <laughs> Badgers cruise to 6-1, and one, and we're talking about it, including a little drama with Brad Davison. Now, I'm here to set the record straight, okay? Now, No matter what you've heard, I don't know what Bill Michaels had to say today. I wasn't able to listen. Don't know what Dan Patrick had to say. You were tuning in earlier today on WKTY. I'm here to set the record straight, okay? On Brad Davidson's night last night. He did take five charges. Absorbed five offensive fouls, including one that basically salted the game away. Or at least gave the Badgers the ball back. Up to with no shot clock left in the game. So essentially it forced the Wolfpack to either get a turnover out of a trap or foul Uh, necessary to get the ball back, and and that's what they ended up doing. Badgers win regardless. What I heard a lot of today, well, it actually started last night. The Badger game wraps up, and, you know, I'm laying on my couch. I I had gotten a little Caesars pizza on my way home from Aquinas last night. I was able to watch the second half of this game after calling the the Aquinas men's game last night. 
And I sit down, I watch the end of the game, and I'm feeling good. I'm jumping around. I'm excited. I mean, I mean, after last year, we were starved of some good Badgers basketball, and it was good to see a, a, a really exciting win, to be completely honest. Last night, it, it, all wins aren't created equal. This one was more of the exciting type, I think, than others that we've seen. So I'm eating my pizza, and the Badger game wraps up, and the, the game was on ESPN, too, so Sports Center starts right up. Now, I'm going to be upfront with you. I don't watch a whole lot of ESPN. It's not really my go-to. Uh, I, I just don't love Sports Center. I used to like it a lot. I don't like it so much anymore. I don't really love first take. Just not really my thing. So I'm not used to watching ESPN, although my roommates have it on in the house a lot. So up next comes Sports Center with John Bucigras and Kenny Main. Okay. Now I'm kind of excited to watch some highlights. I'm in a good mood, kind of bouncing around on the couch, eating my little Caesar's thin crust, splurged an extra dollar, got the thin crust for $6, didn't go hot and ready. And uh, I'm sitting there. Sports Center fires up, and you know, Bucigras and Maine are kind of BSing about something as they get the show underway. And then I don't remember if it was Bucigras or Maine that says, Well, we were going to start the show with uh, highlights from the game you just watched, but we couldn't believe that final charge call, so we're going to move to something else. Really? I'm sitting on my couch, excuse me, because I'm feeling all high and mighty. Our Badgers are 6 and 1, and I'm feeling like the Badgers are back. And I tweeted as such last night at Keystroker Grant. Couldn't wait to get on air this morning and this evening on the Wisco Sports Show to talk about it. And here we have two Sports Center anchors taking a dump on the beautiful effort that the Badgers put forth to beat an undefeated team at the Kohl Center last night. I couldn't believe it. I switched a channel right then and there, turned on local CBS News, and watched some, uh, watched some sports with Greg on CBS. Felt a lot better about myself. But then, is the more that I go on social media and the more that I tuned into some sports radio and you know was snooping around Twitter this afternoon and this morning... I realized that Bucigras and Maine on ESPN were not the only haters of what uh, Brad Davison had to do last night, including uh, Bart Winkler, whose show I checked into this morning, had some words to say. We might have him on as a guest to talk about it here in the next couple of days, that and some Packers talk, so stay tuned for that. He was hating on it. He said, really, that's that's the way you're going to play the game? That's how the game is going to end on that kind of call? And, and I do understand some of that. So let me set the record straight. I'm not here to defend. Well, I guess I am here to defend. I'm not here to tell you how to feel about Brad Davison. If you're a Wisconsin fan, maybe you're a Minnesota fan, an Iowa fan tuning in, hopefully we get fans from all, all sorts, of, uh, sorts of teams. Let me present a case to you on why Brad Davison is being portrayed unfairly. Give me a couple of minutes, and we'll regroup here in about five or six minutes. And if you still want to hate on Brad Davison and the type of game that he played last night, I won't stop you, 100%. Won't stop you at all. If you have thoughts on this before we get underway, this is uh, we're going to call call the court to session effectively here. I'm going to present my case. You're going to be the jury, and you can think how you want. I'm not trying to convince you one way or another. I heard a lot of hate for Brad Davidson, didn't hear a lot of support, so I'm going to provide that side this afternoon or this evening, I should say, and you can decide for yourself. But before I do, quick reminder, you can, uh, you can get on the conversation as well, 608-796-2558, as we kind of call the court to session here. You can be a witness. How does that sound? I'll be the... Uh, the defendant, I will be the, no, I would be the defending attorney, and you can be the jury, and if you want to get involved as a witness, hop in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. You see the, the limit of my legal knowledge here. So last night, Brad Davidson draws five charges. A lot of the criticism that I heard today, uh, including some on SportsCenter last night, some that I heard on uh, The Fan in Milwaukee this morning as I tuned in to try to get a, a different perspective, and then I also saw something on Twitter, and I retweeted it at Keystroker Grant with a little comment, uh, High Noon with Bamani Jones and, uh, oh crap, the other guy's name. <laughs> now I'm going to check. I want to make sure I have it right. Bimani Jones and, uh, well, the other guy. I'm sure it'll come to me. He actually said, and I quote, have some self-respect. 
view yourself as an actual real live basketball player. Okay. <laughs> Hold on a minute. D- does Pablo Santori and Bamani Jones, do they realize that in order to take a charge, and if you've ever played basketball at any level, even if you just played through middle school, that's the only level that I played to is right through middle school. You will know that taking a charge is not as easy as setting your feet in front of someone and waiting to tip over. Now, I'm not saying you can't dress it up a bit with a flop, with a little bit of an acting job. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that to draw a charge, you have to do more than stand there and wait to get bumped. Okay, and Bamani Jones, in this in this segment that was on ESPN earlier today, was basically saying, play real defense. View yourself as an actual basketball player and stop relying on this gimmicky stuff. Play real defense. I don't buy into that for a minute. Do you understand what real defense is? It's about moving your feet, keeping yourself in between the basket and your man, especially if your man has the ball. You want to stay in good position, stay balanced, because if you start to fall behind and then you make contact, well, now it's, it's, it's a blocking foul. It's illegal contact. It's a reach-in. You don't have to know a lot about the rules of basketball to understand that drawing a charge is actually a product of playing really, really good defense. Now, the flopping and the selling and the acting of the call, that's something different, but putting yourself in a position to be called and to draw an offensive charge is all about moving your feet, staying in front of the man with the ball, playing good defense. And that's what Brad Davison had to say in that press conference after the game last night. Look, it's all about moving my feet, trying to stay in position, trying to predict where the where the offensive player is going to go. And then if if he gets caught extending his arm or leaning into the defender or getting a little bit out of control, then you're going to punish him by doing a little bit of an acting job and drawing that offensive foul, right? Logical to me, right? So this whole argument of play real defense, view yourself as a legit basketball player, which is what I was hearing on ESPN today. I don't buy into that. If you want to buy into that, that's fine. Now, I understand if you're just going to hate him to hate him. There's something to be said for just hating certain types of college basketball players. Grayson Allen is a great example. If you can get past the tripping, uh, he's a pretty good ball player, right? I'd like to think the same about Brad Davison. Now, I don't think tripping and drawing an excessive amount of charges are really on the same level. But I guess you can apply that a principle uh, if you feel that way. So if you still hate Brad Davison, I think that's 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 a you thing. I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to criticize you. But just know that drawing charges, even at a clip like that, even drawing five a game is a product of being a good predictor on the defensive side of the ball, moving your feet, and being ready when the defender gets caught extending his arm or getting out of control. You're going to punish that defender by trying to draw an offensive charge. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Got a little bit of action going on over there. Joe chimes in. Joe in lacrosse says, if people want to whine about Davison, let them. They forget he was the heart and soul of this team last year with a busted shoulder. Joe, forget the charges. I, I, I think you bring up a really good point. I I don't know if national pundits or, I, I mean, it, it, this doesn't apply to people in-state, obviously, but national pundits like people on ESPN and, and other analysts, this might be the first exposure they've had to Brad Davison, and I think that's a little bit unfair to Brad. You remember last year, he was dislocating his shoulder during games and going into the locker room to reset it and then coming out and playing through it. So I think to accuse Brad Davison of being worth his basketball salt, for lack of a better term, only because of being able to draw charges and and use gimmicks like that to help his team, I think you're really misrepresenting everything that Brad Davison is about. And I understand that this might be the first exposure that the rest of the country has had with Brad Davison, and that's, that's fair, I understand that. 
But Joe, and, and I agree with you, I think Badger fans and people who have watched this team now for two years got a little bit bigger picture and see a little bit more to Brad Davison than simply taking charges. There was more to this game last night than Brad Davison taking charges as well, especially in the backcourt. If you haven't been paying attention, Demetric Trice is quietly having a hell of a bounce back year. He pitched in 18 points last night, went four of five from beyond the three-point arc, six to 10 shooting, including hitting the go-ahead bucket. Really the dagger in the game. Uh, Brad Davison's charge got all the attention because it regained possession, but Demetric Trice was the one who put him up. And it's fascinating to, to think about Demetri Trice. And we talked about this last week. I think he's taking the season a little personal. I think he looks at last year and said, I didn't get the credit last year for the player that I could have been had I been injury-free and had I been in a little bit better situation. And I truly believe that Trice is back this year with a purpose in his mind to remind people that he is still the starting point guard of this team or a, a starting backcourt player. I don't think they have a, a 100% of the time surefire point guard and ball handler. They share those duties just a little bit. But... He wants to remind people that his role on this team is solidified, and he is back, he is healthy, and he wants to show what he is capable of, and I think he's done that so far. Fascinating enough, so far this season, Demetri Trice shooting 60% from deep, and he's taken 43-point shots in seven games. That's not a tiny sample size. Now, will that level out, I think, as the rest of the season goes on? Yeah, I do. But 40 attempts in seven games is no small sample size. Shooting 60% including four of five last night, cashing in 18 points. And it easily could have been uh, five of six because his toe just barely on the line on that dagger where he kind of called his own number. NC State doing a good job of getting over those ball screens, kind of denying Ethan Happ the ball on that final possession, forcing Demetric Trice to basically go one-on-one with a man and try to create a shot. He did exactly that and put the Badgers up for what would turn out to be the rest of the game. Really gritty win from the Badgers last night, and I cannot wait to keep watching this team because they have been such a pleasant contrast so far, knock on wood, from what we saw last season. They sit at 6-1, and one, ranked 22 in the country currently. We'll see if that changes after last night's win as the ACC Big Ten Challenge rolls on. As the Wisco Sports Show rolls on and we come back next, we're going to change gears a little bit from college basketball to college football. And for those of you who tuned in to Mornings with Dave and Scrady, we did touch on this for a segment. The new college football playoff rankings are out. They've been released. And I want to go through them. There's some really important details. Regardless, I know the Badgers are nowhere near this list. Everybody's keying in on the top four or five teams, and and I think that's human nature. That's not unfair. But I'm here to remind you about one thing, and, and it takes a little bit of brain power, which is why I had a headache for like an hour this morning. So I was trying to figure this out with Dave in the studio. And I'd like to present to you exactly what's going on on the college football playoff rankings. More specifically, from about 10 to 25. Because in my opinion, that's just as important as one through five. I'll tell you why coming up next. Two-minute break here. Uh, We'll be back with the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. With me, your host, Grant Bills, both at 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM. You can always stream live at WKTYsports.com. That is our killer website. You can stream all of our programming right there. A quick reminder that uh, we do have to move off of the Wisconsin Badger basketball talk. But if you missed out, you want to hear more, this show in its entirety is always available at WKTYsports.com in podcast form to be listened to when you want, how you want, uh, at your leisure. So check it out there. Just go to the podcast tab. Uh, My show is available every day, just as is uh, Mornings with Dave and Scrady and the rest of our fine programming here on WKTY. Uh, We're going to move on to some college basketball talk, but that doesn't mean that you're 
interaction is not welcome. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line is always welcoming you to join the show. A couple big questions surrounding the college football playoff and and what it could look like possibly after this upcoming weekend, which is going to have a bunch of big games, uh, a lot of conference championship games. Now, it's it's kind of dependent on the year when college, uh, when conference championship games actually matter, right? There's been years where we've had teams like Alabama lose in the conference championship, look no further than last year, when teams like Alabama lost in their conference championship and made it in anyways. And then there's been teams like Ohio State who have failed to make their conference championship and because of things happening around them, made the playoff anyway. This year, from what I've heard, and when I say that, I by no means am trying to paint myself as an insider when I say what I've heard. What I've seen on Twitter from people who are insiders is that Conference championships games are going to be very valued this year. And I did hear from Joel Klatt this morning when he was, uh, once again, I didn't hear, I watched on TV when he was on First Things First early this morning on FS1. I was trying to take in a little bit of college football talk after mornings with Dave and Scrady. He said from the people that he's talked to on the committee, this is a year where the college football ranking committee or whatever you want to call them is really going to value conference championships. And because of that, he even went so far as to say that if Alabama loses, there's a good chance they don't get in. I don't buy that for one single second, and I will tell you why coming up here uh, in just a couple of moments. So when we look at the NCAA top 25, the college football playoff rankings, which were just released the other night, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia are your top four. So they would be in if the season ended today and there were no more games to be played. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, UCF, Florida, and LSU go 5 through 10. So those would be your first five out. And things get a little cloudy. Oklahoma, Ohio State actually in pretty similar situations. Both are going to have an opportunity in their respective conference championships. Now you would figure, let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Georgia would probably drop out. Oklahoma and Ohio State both win their conference championships. You would just assume that those two teams would slide up into four and five. Georgia would drop down and Oklahoma would be that fourth team in. But we don't know. We don't really know. And to figure out maybe what's in the mind of those ranking officials and those analysts who are on the committee and and do all those meetings behind closed doors, we have to look at the rest of the rankings. We have to look past the first five or six teams because that's really where the magic happens. And when I say magic, I don't really mean so in a good way. So let's look at 10 through 25 because ultimately... Teams in the top four or in contention. I'm going to say teams in contention, and let's go Alabama through Ohio State. Because after Ohio State, you have Michigan, UCF, Florida. I don't think any one of those teams are jumping up. I think Ohio State has a chance from number six. And after that, I, I think Michigan no longer has a chance to make the playoff and so on and so forth down. So I think there's six contending teams right now. Take them out of the equation. Look at the rest of the rankings. Now, seven through 25 are the ingredients, right, for the contending team's recipe to success. And I'm not I'm not trying to be corny with an analogy here. When the college football playoff committee is putting together resumes for Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, the ingredients that go into those resumes and those recipes are wins and losses against other teams, which are ranked the rest of the way down. So through seven or eight down to 25, those rankings matter. Those rankings matter a lot. Because those are the ingredients that the committee is using to build resumes to either prop teams up or tear them down and make their case for either to get into the top four or the seeding once they're in there. Let me give you an example. I, I, I was saying that the word is 
that apparently the committee is going to value conference championship games this year, right? This is a year where they really want to value a conference champion, and they want to make sure that if you win your conference, you get in, and if not, you're really going to have a hard time. They want to put an emphasis on that. I don't buy that for a second. Here's why. Alabama sits at number one, and the way they have constructed the rest of the top 25, fairly or not, has been to assist Alabama, has been to prop up Alabama, in my opinion, and this is no conspiracy, I don't think this is unfair, I think Alabama deserves to be in the playoff, I think everybody wants them in the playoff because they're that villain, they're that team that everybody else is trying to take down. So I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but if you look at the rest of the top 25, and here's why I don't buy Alabama needing to win their conference championship game, you have to look no farther than teams like LSU at 10. LSU is 9-3, and three, and they've really, they haven't struggled in conference play, but they've been embarrassed, especially by teams like Alabama, LSU's been exposed for not having a very good offense. They sit at 10. Now, there's a team who is has a better record than LSU. LSU sits at 9-3. and three. Look at 13. There sits Washington State at 10-2. and two. One more win, one less loss. But they sit a couple spots lower. Why is that significant? Because Alabama beat LSU. Alabama didn't beat Washington State. If LSU was down at 13, Washington State up at 10, that win would be a little bit less impressive for Alabama. All of a sudden, their resume starts to weaken a little bit. We continue down the rankings. Let's go down to, you don't have to look very far. Let's go down to number 18, Mississippi State, 8-4. and four. If you weren't closely following college football, you may not have even known they were in the top 25. Maybe if you, if you do follow and watch college football, you may not have known that they were as high as 18. They sit at 8-4. and four. Why is that significant that they are all the way up at 18, even though they're in front of teams like uh, Boise State, who's 10-2? and two? And Fresno State, who's 10 and 2. Obviously, they're different situations, but just for some context, Mississippi State sits at 8 and 4. At 18th, Alabama beat Mississippi State this year. That's a resume builder for Alabama. And if Mississippi State was down at 25, where Fresno State sits, or heck, even down at 20, where the Syracuse Orange sit with a better record, that all of a sudden becomes a less impressive win. Alabama has a little bit less to boast about in terms of strength of schedule, which is Alabama's bugaboo this year, right? That's what we've all been talking about. Yeah, they've looked great, but who have they played? Well, Mississippi State, they beat them, and the committee has kind of snuck an 8-4 and four team up into the top 20 in front of teams with superior records. Forget 18, let's go to 19. Texas A&M, they sit at 8-4 and four as well. Also a team that Alabama beat. So you have two teams at 18 and 19, one team at 10. You could argue for all three, right or for wrong, that they might be a little bit overvalued, especially when you look at their record and the teams that surround them. Maybe that those teams are ranked a little bit higher than they should be. This props Alabama up. This keeps their resume a little bit stronger than it would be if Mississippi State was down at 24 or LSU was down at 13 in the place of Washington State, who has the superior record. Go even farther down the list, Missouri at 24. They're 8 and 4. They have one more loss than some of those other SEC teams. Excuse me, they have the identical record. My apologies there. 8-4. and four. In front of Fresno State, who's 10-2. and two. They sit at 24. Now, a lot of people don't really worry about who's ranked 23, 24, 25. That's kind of a revolving door. Teams will move in and out. But this week, it does matter. It definitely does matter. Because if Alabama loses this upcoming week, the people who are going to make a case for Alabama are going to look at the top 25 and say, okay, who is Alabama beat? Well, look, there's Missouri at 24. They beat them. That would be much different as if Missouri was 26th and wasn't on the list. They wouldn't be able to boast about that win. That's not a ranked team all of a sudden. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, LSU, all teams that you could argue, I'm not saying it would be right or wrong, but you could make a case that are overvalued, overweighted in where they are ranked. And that's a way that the committee can, I don't want to say artificially, but manually prop up 
and spice up the resume and the, the, the recipe of Alabama. That's why I don't buy this whole conference championship deal. Everybody's saying you need to win your conference this year to get in. Well, these rankings say otherwise. Because slowly but surely, a little sneaky, some of these teams like LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and heck, Missouri, have started to climb their way up. You notice what team is 8-4 and four is Northwestern. Now, they have the same record as both Mississippi State and Texas A&M, but yet they sit two spots lower. If they wanted to prop up Ohio State a little bit, they could have stuck Northwestern higher. They could have. You can make a case for it. The records are balanced. It wouldn't look too wacky when you compare all these teams side by side. But Ohio State sits at sixth. They have the ability, if they win their conference championship, and if a thing or two happens, to get in. Alabama, if they lose, they're at the mercy of the teams that they've played and the strength of schedule so far to see if a 12-1 and Alabama with a really poor strength of schedule, as good as they may be, as good as we may think that they are, you can make an argument that they shouldn't be included in the top four. And I think the college playoff committee, for right or for wrong, you can make an argument. I'm not saying that it's illegal or that it's fishy or that it's skeevy. Wanted to inflate Alabama's resume just enough so that in the case that Alabama loses this upcoming weekend in their SEC championship game to Georgia, that the argument can be made, okay, well, their schedule wasn't that bad. I mean, they they beat LSU. They're ranked 10th. They're in the top 10. They beat Mississippi State. They're in the teens. They beat Texas A&M. They're in the teens. Missouri, there's a ranked team. Alabama beat them this year. And in so doing, Alabama not kept out of the playoff. And we don't have to go without Tua Tagovailoa. We don't have to go without Nick Saban. College football gets that villain. It can be Alabama versus the field once again. And I'm not saying that's not a compelling storyline. I will enjoy that if that happens. I think Alabama's probably belongs in the college football playoff. I think the playoff and, and the networks that are carrying the playoff want Alabama there. I think it makes sense. All I'm saying is, as a college football fan, when you sit down to examine these top 25 rankings, when they are released each and every week, don't just look at the top six. Because all the details, the dirty details, are found right now, 7 through 25. Because right now, there are only six teams, unless you want to make a case for UCF. I will tell you you're wrong if you're making a case for UCF, by the way. You are wrong about that. You're not wrong to argue that Alabama should be in or out after a loss. You are wrong to argue that UCF should be in. (laughs) That's my one opinion. But... 7 through 25, all teams that have been basically eliminated from contention, but those are the teams, those are the ingredients, right, that go into the recipe or the resume for these contending teams to say, we should be in. Well, no, we should be in. Earlier on in the year, it was done with the ACC. They've kind of gone away from that. Remember, Boston College was ranked. Syracuse was near the top 10, and that kind of helped Clemson at the time, and they've held on to that number two spot in the rankings. Alabama, it's come their time to get a little help from the rest of the rankings. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's something to keep your eye on as an educated sports fan. And I know that we all are exactly that here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. When we come back, has Aaron Rodgers been dogging this entire season? Some are posing that question and some say he's doing it on purpose. That's right. I want to get your thoughts. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. I also retweeted one very out there idea from a, a pretty credentialed, a pretty reputable source. Did it on a podcast earlier today. Maybe you're familiar. I tweeted it out. You can find it at Keystroker Grant. I'm also going to give you the audio and uh, this man's idea of what maybe is what what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. It's a take I haven't heard yet. Maybe some of you have been thinking it. 
but it's something I haven't heard yet, and I'm, I'm interested to share it with you and get your thoughts on the Wisco Sports Show. One final segment coming up here on WKTY. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hopping aboard. We got to talk a little Aaron Rodgers. And uh, actually, I've enjoyed myself so far today. We opened the show with a little Badgers basketball talk. Just got wrapped up talking a little college football playoff. And if you missed any of that, you want to check it out. You can always find it in podcast form at WKTYsports.com. Right now, we do have to talk a little NFL football. Got to talk some Packers because... Well, it is that time of year. And Are I, you ready for some uh, football? Yes, thank you, Scrady. Thank you for that. Some of you may have seen, uh, I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory. I haven't figured out what I want to call it yet. It's a wacky idea. It's a wacky take for sure. And it was one uh, by, off the podcast, Sims and Lefke. Maybe some of you listen to that podcast. I like Chris Sims. I'm not real familiar with Lefke. And basically, well, I, I don't know how to describe it here. I'm just going to play the audio. It's about a minute long. And he sums up what he thinks the Packers deal is, specifically with Aaron Rodgers. Listen and let this soak in. This is the 2018 relax. Instead of R-E-L-A-X, it's beat the Cardinals, beat the Falcons, beat the Bears, beat the Jets, beat the Lions. I believe that Aaron Rodgers wanted to start off four, six, and one. (laughs) Everybody is willing to part with Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers, after the game, is about to go John Wick. He just named all of his future victims. Aaron is about to go on a five-week spree. When does a quarterback ever talk about the next week let alone the next five. Yeah, I hear you. Aaron's about to go nuts. Okay, a couple things before we before we actually get into that. So Adam Lefke talking about Aaron Rodgers and why he thinks that Aaron Rodgers was basically faking the entire time, and now he's actually going to unleash himself. Two things before we get into the analysis. Uh, what is with this dude's tone of voice? Like, is he trying to sound dramatic? I, I think that must be it. Um, it makes me a little uncomfortable, and nothing made me more uncomfortable than the last word uh, of this bit. W- one more time. Nuts. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's enough of that. We can we can turn that down. So l- let's think about this for a second. He's basically saying that Aaron Rodgers has had enough of Mike McCarthy. And that Aaron Rodgers purposefully threw a bunch of games at the beginning of the season to push them to 4-6-1. and one. Or wherever they currently sit. Is that their record? Whatever. Whatever it is. Lose a lot of games. Including all the games on the road. Losing uh, ugly in Seattle. And then ugly once again in Minnesota. So Adam Lefke is basically saying, now that Mike McCarthy's future is solidified in terms of, I don't think he's coming back to Green Bay this year. Next year, excuse me. Now he can start playing. Now he can get back to the old Aaron Rodgers, which we are all expecting to come out any minute. just hasn't happened yet. Obviously, I, I, I don't think that's true. I think that's a load of crap. But I think it's for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you've done any reading of Packers media, whether you're reading like the Green Bay Pass Gazette, the Journal Sentinel, or local stuff in the Tribune, uh, maybe you're up near Eau Claire, you get the Leader Telegram, any papers that cover the Green Bay Packers, how many times have we mentioned the relax year? Or they run the table. And they're just looking. They're prodding. They're poking. They're trying to find. They're searching 
for that next catchphrase to print articles about, to write about, to hope now they're going to jump, now they're going to start this run, and i got to be the reporter to ask him to try to prod him for that catchphrase. i got to try to get Aaron Rodgers to say R-E-L-A-X, or I'm going to be the one who prods him enough where he finally says, I think we can run the table, and then the Packers get rolling. And I think the media is just obsessed, and I don't mean to dog on the media. I guess we are part of the media, aren't we? They're just obsessed at trying to find this next Aaron Rodgers catchphrase. And it's just not there. The Packers just aren't good. I don't think they're going to run the table, quote-unquote. And even if they do, there's like a less than a 10% chance they make the playoffs. It's not happening. It's done. Goodbye. Good night. And I, I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, Rob Domovsky wrote an article, cited talking to players, including Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews, and they're saying, yeah, this year feels different. This isn't the same as the run the table year or the R-E-L-A-X year. Feels different. There's a different vibe in the locker room. It's not there. Stop asking for it. Stop looking for it. And I believe at the start of this take, let's just check one more time, that that's actually what he starts with. This, this guy's a national podcaster, Sims and Lefke. They do work at Bleacher Report. And he starts out by saying, this is the relax or the run the table where he starts listing off all the teams. This is the 2018 relax. Like, what, what, can we just let it go? Can we just let that go? I wish he never would have said those two things. I wish that those seasons just would have happened on their own and we could have just appreciated the football that we watched. That's what I, that's what I wish. But we have to dwell on those catchphrases, dwell on Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and the media and these writers and these, these well, I guess radio hosts as well. I'm not exempt. But I don't really play into this. Are looking for that next catchphrase. It's not there. It's not happening. Now, I, I think it's a little wacky. I think it's an out-of-the-box idea that Aaron Rodgers has been purposefully tanking to get Mike McCarthy fired. But at times when you watch, you really question how Aaron Rodgers can be as bad at times as he has been. And when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers being bad, we're not talking about him throwing interceptions. And well, that's about it. Actually, we're not talking about him throwing interceptions. Everything else has been bad. He's missed throws. He's missed reads. He's thrown balls into the ground. He's overthrew Devontae Adams a couple of times or underthrown Devontae Adams. So the interceptions haven't been there. And because of that, his statistics and his quarterback rating have been pretty good. His completion percentage is something else, but his his total quarterback rating has been good. And that's the kind of thing you see on Bleach Report on Pro Football Focus. That's how they rate quarterbacks. And that's been a little bit misleading. Aaron Rodgers missed a lot of throws. And sometimes you watch Rodgers like, man, how did he miss that? How did he not see that check down? How did he not see that read? And it becomes easy to think, well, maybe if we just think outside the box, maybe he's missing it on purpose. Now, I don't buy into that for a second. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would tank over half a season at this point in his career, statistically and in the win column, to simply get his coach fired. I don't buy into that for a second. But it is an interesting way to think about it. It's a hypothesis that I haven't heard yet. And how many times have we heard media members, whether they're writers or radio personalities, TV personalities, just pose the question, I can't figure out what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. I cannot figure it out. I watch the games. I've been watching Aaron Rodgers for years. I've never seen things like this before. I just don't get it. Well... Maybe somebody just has to think outside the box. And Adam Lefke provided that for us today. Look at it that way. We got some entertainment. And you know what? Uh, we got a little bit of uh, of uncomfort as well as he wraps it up saying, Aaron Rodgers is about to go nuts. Nuts. I think we might have to save that. We might have to bring that sound bite back. The rest of the, the, the audio makes me a little uncomfortable. But I mean, if you're... If you're really going for it, you might as well go all in with the voice. Nuts. Nuts. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, don't forget, Wisco Sports Show will be back tomorrow. A lot more to come this week, including on Dave and Scrady tomorrow morning. Uh, Scrady's back, first of all. Everybody celebrate, because now Grant doesn't have to get up early, and Dave has his wingman back in Scrady, and they'll be breaking it all down, including Packers, Badgers, Bucks, all the old favorites, and maybe the Brewers start getting a little more active. We'd heard rumors. We've heard those rumors, but maybe it's finally time they start to pull the trigger on a couple of these things. So we will wait with bated breath. I will be back tomorrow, uh, and we're going to continue to talk Packers as we look forward to the upcoming game. Because if Aaron Rodgers says, we got to beat Arizona, got to beat New York, got to beat Chicago, got to beat Detroit, got to beat Atlanta. Well, it starts this weekend. That's when it starts. And, and if it doesn't happen this weekend, they are literally eliminated from playoff contention. Right now, they're darn close. They're within less than 10%. But right now, uh, they just need to focus on this upcoming weekend. And we'll see. Maybe Adam Lefke's prediction was correct. In the meantime, I'm taking off. Same time, same place tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Bill Ryder in next. Have a great night.